0: Dave Fanning on 2FM Now I want to talk about a book that I have here in my hands which I'm riveted by over the last few days I started it saying I'll read this over three days read it all in one go more or less Uh, The State of Dark is what it's called and it's by Judith Mock as it says in the back, like many children of Holocaust survivors born in the post-war Holland to Jewish parents trying to rebuild their shattered lives, Judith Mach was raised with the emotional trauma of having no extended family. Despite the constant presence of the past in silences and whispered com- conversations, Judith had little information about the hundreds of her family members who had died in the camps. Now, she says later, over 100,000 Jews from Holland were killed in the Nazi camps, including the diarist Anne Frank, who befriended Judith's aunt, Saar, in Auschwitz in 1944. Now I want to talk about the phone call that starts all this really it's about five years ago 2017 that leads to a discovery for Judith and Judith is here now and she can tell us about it Judith you're very welcome. Um, Thank you. I'll get to that phone call in a minute or two but you were born in (coughs) Holland to Jewish survivors of the Holocaust right? I was
1: yes on the coast.
0: Yeah (laughs) and you're also trained as a classical singer you travelled the world performing as a soloist and and, and you published poetry and novels in Dutch etc. So let's take a look at this here The State of dark. It's a memoir, and it is a detective story, isn't it?
1: Yes. Well, I had to do. I had to do a lot of research after I talked to my sister, um, just to know exactly to get the exact dates, the exact yeah. because the the transition camp that of Westerbork that was built by the Dutch to help the Germans. To um, house Jews who were going to go to the concentration camps, uh, there were immigrants there until 1940. Then the Dutch closed their borders, but the camp itself has kept his, its offices open, and you can call them, and they're very. And that's what happened. Minutely, uh, yes, that's what I did. I call, I called the camp. Yeah, well, wasn't, wasn't just. A little phone
0: call. <laughs> no, it was to the records office of the transit camp where um, Dutch Jews were originally held. Yes. By the way, this story is going to take in everything from Tom York in Radiohead to, to Grace Jones as well. So we're going to get to that part too <laughs> because it's Judith mock I'm talking to. But first of all, the state of dark and. Um, Your parents tried to build their lives in post-war Europe and lots of children of Holocaust survivors raised with the emotional trauma of having no other family members. This was just who you were. This was just like you didn't know anything else.
1: No, no, I was raised with death around me, but incredibly positive outlook on life. And we are still here. And, well, my father was a, a leading author. And, he was, yeah. And uh, my mother wrote columns and unfortunately couldn't perform or do anything anymore after the war because she'd been so sick. So she was too weak to work full time, but she still wrote columns and was very active in, in literature, uh, in actually seven languages. She translated from Russian for television, plays, and so on and so on. And so that they were very, very busy with with their work and trying to give us a, a full life of music and so yeah, on.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't always easy, but they did the best they could. Now, yes. I, I just mentioned Anne Frank earlier on. Um, her father Otto called to your house one day with um, to hand over some letters.
1: Yes, and and that's that's actually speaking of a detective story. Um, uh, it was much, much, much later, of course, because this is, you know, I mean, the war ended in 1945. And I gather that uh, my aunt, Sire, had kept some papers and a lot of people wrote diaries and papers yeah. and so on, letters and put them under whatever she slept on, the mattress uh, and that... Um, it went with Anna, who was, her, you know, kind of a protege, because my aunt was thirty six when she died, and Anna was just a, a young girl, as yeah. you know. And um, somebody must have handed it to Otto, who was the only survivor of the family. And I, I suppose, he only got the courage to sort everything. Obviously, he had he had a lot to sort out and to you know, to to get his life back on track. And uh, so I gathered that he only came to my father's... uh, the letters to my father years and years later and decided to contact him. He, yeah. I suppose he only gathered and, courage
0: then. And then when he saw these from Anne Frank's father, he burst out crying. And you could see you know, there are all these little bits that you have in the book yeah. about of what you're trying to pick up of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, like the hundreds of members of your family who died, you had little concrete information.
1: Yes, I did. Well, I rang because my sister uh, told me that she was there during the arrest of my paternal grandparents. And uh, there were people who hid them in their house, and there were double walls. and she was a young, very young girl, she was ten years old, and they stuffed her in between the walls. So she heard the Gestapo and the police come arrest yeah. her grandparents, and she couldn't even knock on the door to say goodbye. She knew perfectly well she would never see them again. And then she but she was she felt guilty like so many people. i I always detected some some guilt to my parents as well that why did we survive you know
0: well then the Holocaust and its <laughs> consequences have always been part of your life or always haunted your life
1: uh, they've um, always been part of my life but they haven't always been a conscious part of my life because my parents kept very quiet and of course they had a lot of friends with numbers on their arms and yeah. some of them didn't make it. They couldn't deal with the the consequences of the camps they had been in. And uh, so I knew what a concentration camp was. And
0: you also, you mentioned the consequences of that because like the psychological problems that people might have, the danger of waking up at two or three in the morning and like this thing just comes in on top of you years later. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I remember the, the, the phone calls and I would, yeah, both my sister and I would think, oh, That's another one. Oh, God, let me. It's very well, cynical. I'm going to get
0: back to that in a second because there's so much part of your life. You've been in Ireland now in Dublin for maybe well over 20 years now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, you know, the, the classical kind of um, singer part of who you are. You were a student of. Um, Elizabeth Schwarzkopf. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to actually just say the yeah. whole thing, but yeah. yeah. Now, Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, that's a really funny one. Well, first of all, you ran away to Paris around the age of 15 or something. Oh, no, no, no. no? I
1: studied at the Royal Conservatory in The Hague.
0: Oh, I thought you just and slipped out. Yeah.
1: No, no. I graduated there though yeah. I was it was I was crazy I mean normally you only start singing when you're 19 or 20 yeah. but I was impatient and uh, thought I could do it and uh, I auditioned when I was 14 so I graduated at I was nearly 21 and then I moved to Paris for years and then I started. Actually, I started working pro- fully professionally at the age of twenty-two. But I was still working with coaches for years and you were and a years student of
0: the great soprano um, Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, as you say, right? Yeah. Okay. For a so, while. Yeah. And you know, then you heard of her Nazi collaborations. What did that do to you? And like, were you were you working with her, singing with her? and hadn't realized it until a good while later no
1: i had no i had no idea she was my yeah. i mean she was my idol i mean she yeah. was a unique artist uh you know she had a unique voice uh, her interpretation of german song opera and so on are are still unique so she was a big example for me and when she chose me um i was extremely uh, you know humbled and pleased and flattered and delighted and uh, uh but singing is a very physical thing, teaching. So she, you know, she touched me. She she taught me to breathe. Um, she was very near to me. And then, um, no, it was first when she met my parents after a gala concert that had been organized around her and her pupils that she asked me if I was really Dutch. And, you know, my parents were small and looked extremely Jewish. Yeah. And uh, I thought, what's going on? And then her management that I was already working with suddenly told me, no, maybe you you don't fit in. And I thought, this, this is very strange. But then, uh, actually, it was two years later, the book of Jefferson, written by an English writer, Jefferson, uh, came out about um, Schwarzkopf. And the man was full of admiration for her, her work as an artist as well. But uh, it turned out that she was a fierce nazi i mean she joined the the youth nazi party um, and yeah, the then National was the she Hi- was the yeah. highly most highly paid uh, singer in the in the german opera house in berlin she was a favorite of goebbels uh, she um, made three propaganda films for the gestapo uh, that are in archives in moscow and um, it 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 made me completely sick. I couldn't believe that this this one woman who had actually given recitals that I got you know programs for yeah. uh, for the officers in concentration camps uh, had been my teacher. Yes,
0: you did discover in pretty shocking and intimate detail and in the thing the the truly awful facts of your family. We I mean, were talking about well over 150 members right across the board.
1: Yeah, h- 164, yes. Yeah. That was when I was talking to the very, very uh, kind uh, woman in, uh, in work, and I just wanted to know when my grandparents had left and where they had stayed and my yeah. aunt and so on. And then she asked, would you like to uh, a list of all your family members, you know, mothers, fathers, and so on. And I said, what? And she said, I'll just email you. And then this email... Yeah. Came in with, uh, and it was 164 yeah. people. You see, the thing
0: is that, like, one of the things is that this is not just history and your history and the, your dark history. By the way, the book is called The State of Dark, and we're talking to Judith Mock. The point about it is, is that it, it it goes on, and we're talking about a thing that is a real thing: second generation trauma. And um, this is the real syndrome. This is the real condition. This is the real thing, right?
1: Yes. Well, I Whereas, mean, I I wrote it not only as a testament for my my family or my parents but also because of a culture I, that had has disappeared forever and also because it's still going on and i wanted to talk about what war and genocide does to a culture and does to people i mean what happens in in ukraine what happens what happened in syria and so on i mean that happens to these people but what about their children you know and what this is this is all terrible <laughs> You know, so I felt that I had to talk about the incomprehensible fact that yeah. uh, I was one of the people who needed, and my daughter needed to be exterminated, and I didn't understand it. And I, every time I looked at my family's photographs, I thought, why? Yeah, I couldn't get an explanation Well then
0: jumping again to the career <coughs> that, you t- that took off the Royal Conservatoire 15 year old well, you were a bit of a rebel I think anyway but you're in Paris <laughs> you have no money etc were you really busking in the metro with a bit of old Monteverdi there going out and I'm, some agent
1: goes by and says sign her I was I was, <laughs> I, I was busking for a year twice a week in the in the stations Opera and Sèvres Babylon. Uh, one was near the opera house and yes this agent walked by and picked me up and said come and audition for me and uh, come and audition uh, for me yeah. and
0: then it launched a career that's taken you all over the world many yes. times classical soloists and all the rest I mean I'm going to get to Tom York from Radiohead and minute, mm. I'm going to get to Grace Jones and above all I'm going to get to Dermot Kennedy who you've been touring with as well because of the job that you now do in Ireland because if anybody wants to do anything with their voice rock band or otherwise the only person they can go to is Judith Mock and there's no question about that the list of People and bands like, right. like obviously one of your best friends. Just on that note, would be um, Mr. Frames himself. I mean, like Glenn Hansard. Glenn. Yes, yes. Yeah. But Glenn has introduced you to maybe to many of these people. He has.
1: has uh, Glenn is is a unique artist, a unique person. Warmth, generosity, talent. Uh, wonderful he's one of the most wonderful people i've met in ireland and he's been yes he's very been very instrumental to helping me uh, into this coaching uh, and yeah, what about the wonderful. other musicians
0: as well? Like, <laughs> I mean, the, all the other ones. Like, I mean, you've got uh, I don't know, Steve Garrigan from Codaline, your script, yeah. Loa, um, Faye from Soda Blonde, yeah. Gemma Dunleavy, et etc. Just of the other names, When Grace Jones was here, making her, was that when she was here when, when you were working. Yeah, with
1: her? But she was. Uh, uh, Sophie Fine's made the, that's right. The, the Sophie Fine's documentary. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I I admire Sophie a lot, yeah. uh, and uh, so she asked me to coach Grace yeah. for the film. Yeah. Um, well, she's she's some artist. I mean, <laughs> she's a tremendous artist. Yeah. Um, she wasn't the easiest. I was yeah. just going to say a feisty
0: human being. I would say
1: yes, but I, th- I'm, I have my moments yeah, right. as
0: well. Just some other names. Did you work with Whitney Houston? Did you work with?
1: I did. Well, she came. She came to my house uh, years and years ago. But she was in a very bad way. Right. Yeah. And asked me to if I could help her. And it was it was midnight. You know, she came with a whole... Entourage of friends right, yeah. and I and I said, "No, I don't think so. I don't know what I can do for you. I can make you a cup of tea." Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I'm not going to teach you to sing any better no, than you no, do No, no. I mean,
1: what a tremendous voice! What an incredible artist, you know, and what a sad end.
0: Yeah, absolutely terrible. Like, what do you like? I mean, in terms of vocal techniques and and, and and breathing and all the rest of it, and extended vocals, etc. I mean, did you work with Tom York from Radiohead?
1: Yes, I did. On "Hail yeah. to the Thief," right? Yeah, he was he was interested in my, but that, he was one of the first. It was just, he was interested in my breathing technique and yeah. I thought he was joking because I thought this is a very different thing. And I have learned a, an enormous lot from uh, what you would call the more popular singers, just, you know, how to work with voice. And I discovered that breathing technique and helping people, in it's it's totally similar to opera or classical music. Well, Uh, You've done
0: all of these things. I mean, like, you know, have you been working for years? Could you put it that way uh, on on extended vocal techniques to experiment with voice and presentation and all the rest. And that's why so many people come to you.
1: I have. um, I I've always, always, always practiced. I think that part of now going back to uh, what we were talking about, I think my father was a very disciplined artist. And I think that that kind of discipline appealed to me. I think he also was so disciplined to hide, in a way. Yeah. He started at eight o'clock in the morning, finished at half past ten at night, uh, every day. Uh, so the curiosity of developing my voice and my breathing technique, and also I chose to work on very difficult contemporary music. I mean, I I learned from John Cage. I actually learned from. Frank Zappa when I was 16 years old. I learned from a lot of, you Whoa, know. Frank Zappa and John Cage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah. So, uh, I I like contemporary music. I like doing difficult uh, pieces, yeah. so I like to work on things, you know. and puzzle them out and and stretch my stretch my vocal abilities as much as I
0: could You mentioned your father there and the post-war and that and you're in Amsterdam and you're with your father and he you know not much is said you don't hear too much because people if they talk about it it just brings up bad vibes and bad memories a lot of the time but things do seep through and you're young enough listening to this and going on and like you know there were shops that you wouldn't go into because of collusion with the Nazis
1: There were shops there were restaurants uh there would they, yes, they, would, they talked about it, and they said no. You know, you would we just don't go there. But I didn't get any explanation. Well, I did. I mean, they yeah. just said they're traitors, and uh, you know, they collaborated with the Nazi party. And uh, you know, you could sell a you could sell a Jew uh, for thirty seven fifty uh, guilders, um, and report them to the police. So I'm um, I I suppose that's that's what they did. They uh, they betrayed people, you yeah.
0: know. And you, and your father never really lost his rag at all, but once or twice out of traffic lights in, in, in the book, you know, he rages against a, a big restaurant because the big name outside, he knew. Damn These, well. They're
1: still thriving, still the same people, still the same family. Yeah. I
0: mean, you do say, like, you know, um, there were wounds, uh, uh, wounds so thickly healed that revealing them would have, without doubt, killed them. I, th-
1: yeah. I, think, so, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think so, yeah. I think so. I don't no. think I think they wouldn't have been so productive, and you know they moved us to the South of France, and they did whatever they could to make our lives But one uh, of the
0: things was in terms of everybody, that you knew that in order to make life seem normal, there was a reluctance to mention the past, and that might have been a good idea maybe
1: um it for them for them I can yeah. respect it on the other hand uh it was very, very difficult for me. When both my father died, he died seven years before my mother died, and in the last year of his life, uh, he completely went to pieces right. and wanted to go to Auschwitz, uh, talked about his sister. Uh, it all came out. Uh, was crying, and my mother told me everything on literally on her deathbed when I was taking care of her for the wow. last three months before she died. So, um, I think they might have maybe if they'd had a bit more psychological help, which they denied completely, they could have talked about it a little bit more, yeah, you know. Yeah. So we weren't saddled with incomprehensible history. Yeah,
0: indeed. And besides, like, just to get back to the other thing, touring the world, can I just go finally to Dermot Kennedy? Um, Uh Because um, Dermot, like, is one of the biggest that we have now, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. you've like not only been vocal coaching, but you've gone on tour with them. And do you stand at the side of the the stage when he comes off? You went, Dermot, for crying out loud, that fourth number, you blew it. No,
1: no, I would never do that after a performance. No, no, (laughs) I do that during Sessions we're working. I will say no. This is, you know, we have to change this or that. But no, after a performance, that's that's just a rule. You're you're always positive, and he's one of the best learners, best students I've ever had. I also really, you know, because I was touring with him and I spent a lot to, a lot of time together with him. I love talking to him, and yeah. you know, he's he's interested. He's again very intelligent and. I just try to open my pupils' minds, you know, to yeah, other things. <laughs> but
0: in opening your pupils' minds, just just on that, like you know, if if you do kind of control of relaxations, whatever, you're not trying to turn these people into your technique. You're trying to turn them into themselves. With the, with they oh, might, completely! But they might know they have themselves.
1: Yeah, completely. I mm-hmm. always try to bring out their own the timbre, their own the color of their of their voice. I would never change it if, yeah. you know, if they want to rasp like Tom Waits, please do, yeah. as long as you maintain a healthy voice. It's, I would never do that. It's complete, That is completely different from uh, classical... Uh, you know, there are givens for interpretation of whatever of Schubert, Mozart and yeah. so on and so on and so on. It's a completely different school. Yeah.
0: So. Well, I think everybody knows who's been in a band or like if if you're a professional singer who really wants to master your voice then Judith Mock is the first and last stop <laughs> Judith listen thank you so much for dropping into us on the programme The State of Dark is the book that's out at the moment pretty powerful stuff it really thank is thank you and it's, uh, it's, uh, can I say cathartic is it good to it's get it off your uh, to get it out there it is it, it, yeah. it's,
1: an, it's of all the, the well it's my first non-fiction book yeah and it's very 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 important to me yeah I did try to keep my own prose style and you know and And write it in, in you know, in in a let's say my own literary fashion. But the content is vitally important to me. Yes. Well, I think your
0: father would be indeed very proud. Indeed, (laughs) all of them would be. Listen, thank you so much, Judith, for dropping in. The book is called *The State of Dark*, and it's out now.
1: Thank you very much. Dave Fanning on Two FM.